0: Praise you, Jesus. Come on, raise your hands, people. Just raise your hands to heaven. Say thank you for your glory, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Just raise your voices and praise him. Just praise him. Just praise him for 30 seconds. Just show him that you appreciate his presence. You love him yeah. Hallelujah, glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the Most High God. Glory, glory, glory to the Most High One. Hallelujah! The name of Jesus that is above every other name. Praise the name of Jesus. Glory, glory, hallelujah, Lord. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Praise. Jesus, praise you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. Glory to God. Well, what a time we're having. I mean, this whole day has just been extraordinary. This whole time that we've had together has been amazing. This has been wonderful in God to just be in his presence. Have a word from the Lord. Hallelujah. It's our honor and our privilege to have Brother Jerry here. Hallelujah. And as a senior spiritual leader of this house, apostle of this house, please invite Brother Jerry and welcome him to come to the pulpit. Brother Jerry.
1: Thank you, sir. Love you. Thank you. You guys are wonderful tonight. you'd fit in Texas real well. All right, smile real big at somebody and tell them you're in the right place tonight. Amen. And you can be seated. Hallelujah. Did you enjoy your services this afternoon, this morning? Great. Everybody do well? Tony did good. Joe did good. Yes. I will keep him. <laughs> okay, praise the Lord. Let's uh, open our Bibles once again tonight. First of all, to Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one, just for a little review, then move on to some new material. I've been ready for church all day. Amen. I got all rested up last night ready. Talked to my wife earlier today, and that just changes everything, hallelujah. (laughs) Let's see, we celebrated 56 years, 55, 54, yeah, I got a lot of 50s in my life, (laughs) 54 years of marriage back in July, so we're headed to 56, amen. And it just gets better all the time yes. when you marry the right woman and the right man for you women yes. not talking to men married men women marrying the right man amen
2: yes.
1: Carolyn's pastor used to say uh, a man that findeth a good wife findeth a good thing he said if you just find a wife you just got a thing <laughs> so how many of you how many of you men in here got a good wife Well, you got a good thing, praise God. Amen. 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 Ephesians chapter 1, and just briefly, as I mentioned, talking about, particularly from the message translation. Let me just read that for the sake of time and and not necessarily read it uh, from the King James. Your eyes focused and clear... So that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. And to grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life that he has for his followers. This glorious way of life. Look at somebody say, I'm supposed to be living a glorious way of life. life. Did my mind go off? That was weak. (laughs) I said, tell somebody. I'm supposed, I'm supposed to be living this, glorious way, of life. this
2: glorious
1: way of life. Amen. That's God's plan for your life. Yes. Amen. And then we found in Ephesians chapter 2 from the message translation, uh, taking paths which he prearranged ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. So once again, notice in both of these chapters from the writings of the apostle Paul, God has prearranged for you and I a glorious way of living and the good life, hallelujah. We're supposed to be living the good life. Look at somebody and tell them, I'm supposed to be living the good good life, good life, life, the glorious life. And I'm not going to accept anything less. And give the Lord a good shout if you receive it. Praise God. Amen. I like living the glorious way of living. And I like living the good life. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Now, if you're not living a glorious life and a good life, then I encourage you to follow me right now to Genesis chapter 27. And I'll tell you what to do. And let there be light. We've preached in the dark before, all over the world, haven't we, Joe? Hallelujah. Yeah, it'll come back up. It always does. I'll just, uh, I'll just take a little side journey while we're waiting for the lights to come on. In the early days of my ministry, I was asked to come to a little town in Arkansas called Prescott, Arkansas. It's the area where Gloria Copeland was from and her family lived uh, there at the time when I went there. And uh, I was supposed to preach in this Pentecostal church. And when they found out I was not licensed and ordained with their organization, they wouldn't let me in. They canceled the meeting. So I'm there, my wife's there. Both my girls were very small at the time. We're there and the preacher wouldn't let us in the building. Said, no, I thought you were ordained through our organization. I said, no, I'm not. And I didn't say this, but when I found out the religious politics that were involved, I was glad I wasn't ordained in their organization. And so, and I'm gonna keep telling my story even though lights are on. I think you'll like it. And so uh, we started looking for a place to have the meeting because I'm there. And I was supposed to be there for three nights, three days and nights, three services a day. And uh, the only place we could find was what they called an American Legion hut. And trust me, it was a hut. And it was filthy. I don't think they'd used it in a long time. It, it, it had a bad smell in it. It was filthy, and uh, so my wife and I, we found a couple of other people. We went in and had to clean it up before we could even have a meeting that night. And uh, so we got to the service, and I'm preaching on the basics of faith. And that pastor who wouldn't let me in his church came. I thought, the devil sent him over there just to harass me, you know? But I preached anyway, preached on faith, and, uh, and ministered to people. We had a good service, wasn't a large building, wasn't a large crowd. And so the next morning I started part two and that pastor came. That afternoon I went to part three and the pastor came just teaching on the basics of the life of faith. And that night he came again. And then the next morning uh, he was there, next afternoon he was there and then before we got to the evening service, uh, I'm still wondering, why is this guy here? He just sat and listened and then he leave. We didn't talk or anything. So we got to the service that night and I got ready to preach and the lights went out of the American Legion Hub. And they stayed out for a little while. And I'm back in a little room back there praying. And the Lord said, what do you intend to do? I said, well, I came here to preach, I'm gonna preach. He said, then go out there and tell the people by the time you say, open your Bibles, the lights will be on. Hmm. He said, you've been teaching on faith all weekend. Now we're gonna find out if you really believe it. I said, okay. So I went out there and in the dark, a guy had a flashlight and led me up to the podium. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know why the lights are out. Don't have a clue. But I do know this. By the time I tell you to open your Bibles, the lights will be on. And then I added this. And God didn't tell me to say this, but it just came up out of my spirit. And if they don't come on, then I'm a false prophet. And that's exactly what they did, Sharon. (gasps) And that bastard, He squirmed. (laughs) I think he wanted to get out of there as quick as he could. I said, oh, Jesus. So, the Lord said, you've been preaching on faith. Do you really believe it? We're going to find out now. I said, yes, sir, I believe it. I said, open your Bibles and the lights came on. I could have closed the meeting right there. God confirmed the word and everybody saw it. And that pastor jumped up, come running to the platform said, you're preaching in my church in the morning. And next morning was Sunday morning. I thought to myself, I don't want to preach in your ugly church. You were mean to me. I said, Lord, do I have to preach in his church? He didn't want me when I first came. He said, are you so dense you haven't figured out what's happened? He said, the man heard every sermon you preached. He got it. And he's acting on it. You told him he could have what he said. And he said, before I, before I addressed him, he said, I'm saying it. I'm saying it. You're going to preach in my church in the morning. The Lord said, he's saying it. Go preach in his church. Amen. And we had a revival in one Sunday. I mean, we had a move of God that was amazing. And this pastor, now if you can imagine this, he was shorter than me. Okay, just a little tiny guy, and he's sitting on the platform out on the edge of his chair like this, and then when when the anointing hit the place and the people, I mean, got so excited, he started jumping up and down, jumping up and down, and said, I hadn't seen anything like this since 1957, hadn't seen anything like this since 1957. I thought, dear God, where have you been, man? (laughs) But all it took was the lights coming on and a move of God took place. Do you suppose God's gonna repeat himself? Why don't we give the Lord another shout in advance? Amen. Hallelujah. All right, now, before the lights went off, we said, let's go to Genesis chapter 27. If you're not living this glorious way of living, and you're not enjoying the good life, as the Bible says, God has prearranged for us, then perhaps this is what you need to do. Now, you remember the story of Isaac blessing his sons, Esau and Jacob. And when Esau realized what a mistake he had made, then he asked his father, is there not but one blessing left for me? And here's what his father told him. Look at verse 40 and by thy sword shalt thou live, and shalt serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass, when thou shalt have the dominion, that thou shalt break loose from, uh, loose the the yoke from thy neck." Now, let me interpret that, since we sometimes struggle with the King James Version. The Amplified Bible says, The time will come when you will grow restive, and the word restive means restless or dissatisfied. Amen. Or as we would say in our American vernacular, fed up. Do you use that term over here? Yeah. anybody ever got fed up? Fed up. Yeah. What happens when you get fed up? You take action. My mic keeps going off. I'm going to try this side of the auditorium. When you get fed up, then you take action. You, you begin to do something about what you're fed up over. Amen? And this is what he was telling him. Now, you're going, to, you're going to live in servitude to your brother until you reach the place where you grow restive of this kind of lifestyle or fed up. And the moment you get fed up, then you're gonna break that yoke from off your neck. Now, I tell Christians all over the world, if you're not living the glorious way of living and you're not enjoying the good life, then maybe it's time for you to get fed up. Because Amen. Amen. nobody's to blame but you.
3: That's right. I know
1: you don't want to hear that.
3: No, it's
1: you know, we'd rather it be somebody else's fault. We got that off Adam. When Eve did what she did, God came through and he asked Adam, what happened? That woman you gave me, i was doing fine until you gave me her. And notice it didn't impress God at all. Amen. Do this, hold your finger up like this, put it right in front of your face and say these words, say them loud. I have got a revelation tonight. I have, got a tonight. I have discovered where my problem is. It's you. It's not my fault you're not living the glorious life. It's not my fault you're not living the good life. It's not God's fault that you're not living a glorious life. And it's not God's fault that you're not living the good life. And let's see, did I miss anybody? It's not God. It's not Jesus. Not the Holy Spirit. Not His Word. Only thing left is you. You are the reason. And I know a lot of people don't like to take responsibility. But if you want to move on and enter into the realm of the good life and this glorious way of living, then take responsibility for yourself. I I have a hard time with people that don't take responsibility for their own actions, that they don't take responsibility for the way they're living. Amen. Amen. It's always somebody else's fault. And that's never gone over with God, and it still doesn't go over with him. So it's your responsibility to get to the place. If you're not enjoying the kind of life that he says is available to you and that he has pre-arranged, then take responsibility and go ahead and be honest with yourself and say, it's my fault. Amen. And now you're ready to move on. Praise God. Yes. Can you say amen? amen? So I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of how many would say I'm not living the glorious way of living, and I'm not living the good life. That's not necessary. You know who you are. Amen? So let's get on with the program. What do you say? And enter into this glorious way of living and this good life that he's prearranged, and then fulfill the prophetic word that he's given us for this year, going to the maximum and the highest level attainable. Look at somebody and say, I'm going there. Whether anybody else does or not. I'm going there, and I believe I'll praise God in advance for taking me there. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, give the Lord another good shout of praise. Amen. Now, we learned last night, as we've already just uh, said, that God has already prearranged this kind of life for us, according to the book of Ephesians. But to actually enjoy it, then we have to take the responsibility to, first of all, receive it by faith. Receive it by faith. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 2, that the word did not profit them, not having mixed it with faith. So if you don't mix your faith with what you're hearing, then it's not likely that it'll profit you or benefit you. Or in other words, you won't see the results of it. So let me lead you in this confession before we go any further. Lift your right hand and say this out loud. In the name of Jesus, what I am about to hear, knowing that it will be the gospel, I mix my faith with it before I ever hear it so it will profit me. I didn't come to this service tonight just to take up space. I came To mix my faith with the word preached and God assures me that it will profit me and benefit me me in Jesus' Jesus name. name. And then say this, I receive it now. now. Amen. That's how you mix your faith with the gospel that's preached. Now, I go to a lot of meetings where I'm not speaking. Back years ago, I attended uh, many, many, many of Kenneth Hagin's meetings. I uh, preached in his camp meetings from time to time, and uh, uh, over a period of time, he he set up meetings across the country <clears throat> that he called many faith seminars, M-I-N-I, many faith seminars. It wasn't a week long. It was only uh, three nights, and he would invite me to be the other speaker with him, and before I would even go to the service that night, it, it opened on a Thursday night and go through Saturday night. Before I would even go to the service, Carol and I would join hands in our hotel room and we'd say, whatever Brother Hagan preaches tonight, we mix our faith with it right now and it is gonna benefit us. Yes. And it always did, hallelujah. If I went to hear Oral Roberts and I preached with Brother Roberts many times, I served on his board for over 20 years, and every time I'd go to hear Brother Roberts, before I'd leave my hotel room, I'd say, in the name of Jesus, I don't know what Brother Roberts is going to preach tonight, but I know it'll be the gospel, and I know it'll be inspiring, and I mix my faith with it right now before I ever hear it so that it will profit me. Yes. Amen. And I'd go to the meeting, and, and my faith is already activated, and I'd get something every time out of that service that I could take home with me and act on it, and God would confirm it with signs following. Yes. Amen. So I want to encourage you to do that. You just did it by faith. Amen. So say it again. I receive it, I receive it. In, Jesus name. in Jesus' name. Now, one thing that is vitally important after we've made that declaration, I want you to turn to somebody and say to them, I'm praying for you right now. I'm for you right now. And my prayer for you is this you that, you that, you that you will pay attention. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So don't be thinking about what you're going to eat when you get out of the service. Don't be thinking about, I wonder how long we'll be before we can eat. Don't be thinking about what you didn't do today, what you should have done today, and what you got to do tomorrow. Turn all that off. Amen. Cast every negative thought down and pay attention. Hallelujah. Oh,
2: hallelujah. I've
1: already preached myself. Well, I was already happy before I got here, but I'm happier now. Anybody happier since you came in? All right, now, once again, we actually, if we actually enjoy this glorious way of living and this good life that he's prearranged, we have to take the responsibility to first of all, receive it by faith. Amen. Receive it by faith and then pursue it by establishing a goal for it and stay focused on that goal. Let me repeat that. We have to take the responsibility, first of all, to receive it by faith and then pursue it by establishing a goal for it and then stay focused on that goal. It's been said, there's nothing more powerful than a focused life. Focused people see their goals become reality. Amen. Everything I've focused on, everything I've set a goal for and stayed focused on it has happened. And the ones that haven't happened yet, it's just simply because they haven't happened yet. But they're on their way to happen. Amen. I'm a goal-oriented person and I'm a focused person. I'm not easily distracted. Now, I couldn't say that prior to 1969, because I was easily distracted back then, and I was not a focused person. Amen, I mean, I had I had ambitions as a young, young boy, um, several things that I wanted to do in my life, and I'd get so far into it, and then I'd get distracted. And once I got distracted, then I no longer pursued it because I wasn't focused anymore. I I grew up uh, as a young boy, started playing baseball. And I I know you guys play, what, cricket or something over here that's similar. No, the rules are not the same, but, but I played American baseball. And I started playing baseball when I was nine years old with a little league team. And I played all the way up to a farm league team, they called it that was sponsored by the Kansas City Royals and after you played for a while in that farm league team then you made it if you were chosen you made it to the pros so my ambition was to become a professional baseball player and and I I, I, I was focused from 9 years old until about uh, 17 18 19 years old and then I got distracted and I was no longer pursuing that goal. Also I had an injury. I broke my leg and that put me out, not not being able to finish the season. And Then when I recovered from my injury, I was no longer focused on that dream, on that goal. Now the other goal that I had, I was going to either be a professional baseball player or I was going to raise automobiles and own my own business doing it. So when I lost focus on the baseball career, then I began focusing entirely on owning my own business and racing cars like my dad did, what he did when I was growing up. Well, I pursued that for quite a while, and then I got distracted, and I lost focus, and I no longer was pursuing that goal or that dream. Anybody in here identify with me? I'm not the only one in here.
2: Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen? And it wasn't until 1969 when I when I received Jesus as my Lord and, ex- and finally accepted the call of God that was on my life from a little boy and got into the Word of God, that's when my whole life changed. I, I learned how to be unwavering in my faith. I learned how to be non-distracted. I learned how to stay focused. And if you talk to people that know me well, that's that's what they'll tell you. Jerry Savelle is a focused man. He is a goal-oriented man. He's a man that won't waver in his faith. And that's been my life now for 54 years. And God has honored it. And I believe he'll just keep on honoring. And the beautiful thing is, he's no respecter of persons. Right. If he would honor that in my life, he would honor it in your life as well. Amen. But you, got, you have to get to the place. You know, I, I, I'm sorry, but I, I struggle with Christians who just want it handed to them.
3: Yeah.
1: Amen. You know, we, we, we live in a generation today where young people feel like they just deserve it. They don't want to work for it. And some of their parents are the same way. Amen. I want to leave you with a fact right now. It is a proven fact. If your parents didn't have children, neither will you. (laughs) I'm trying to loosen you up a little bit. You're too quiet tonight. Oh, I know it's because you're focused. Okay, okay, thank you. Amen. Some of you are still trying to figure that one out. Okay, so let's repeat what we said. The first thing we must do to live this glorious way of living and this good life that He's pre arranged and to experience the prophetic word that He's given us about the maximum and the highest level attainable is we must first of all receive it by faith and then pursue it by establishing a goal for it and then stay focused on that goal, all right? Now, let's go to Philippians chapter 3 for a moment. Philippians chapter 3. I love doing what I do. It's so much more fun than baseball. And it's so much more fun than racing cars.
2: Amen.
1: You know, you didn't, you, you didn't win every game when you played baseball. And you didn't win every race when you raced. But I'm winning every time now, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah, with the Word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 3, and let's begin in verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth under those things which are before. Now consider that phrase, reaching forth under those things which are before, as your goals, as your vision, as the maximum and the highest level attainable, amen? amen? That, that's my goal, to reach that, no matter how good my life is right now, there's always another level, and my goal is to go to that next level, amen, to experience the maximum and the highest level attainable. So that's our goal, okay? I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now in the message translation, it reads this way. I've got my eyes on the goal. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. I've got my eyes on the goal. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. Amen? You can't keep looking back. If you keep looking back, and he's using this analogy like a runner in a race. If you are a runner in a race and you're determined to finish, uh, uh, to cross the finish line, then you learn, if your coaches uh, taught you, that you don't look back. Now in high school, I I not only played baseball, but I I was involved in track and field events as well. And I I loved doing long distance running. Back then we ran the mile, okay? And there were four guys on our team, and we were all uh, seniors in high school and, and uh, I had gone out for the track team, and I was going to run the mile, and there was four guys on that track team who had the best uh, records. Now, one of them, I'll never forget him. His name was Charles Stampley. Charles Stampley was our fastest runner. I could never catch Charles Stampley. Sometimes I'd be number two. Sometimes I'd be number three. Sometimes I'd be number four. But my goal was to one day beat Charles Stampley. And if I reach that goal, as far as I'm concerned, I'm through with track. I've, I've accomplished my goal, you know? <laughs> and so uh, we, we had an invitational track meet at our high school. And you had to qualify. Only two guys got to run in the, in the invitational. It was Charles Stampley and me. So. We start the race. Of course, you know, in a long-distance race, you don't give it all you've got on the first lap. You keep pacing yourself, and then hopefully when you reach that last lap, you, 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 you finish with a strong kick, as they say, to cross that, that line. Well, I'm I'm outrunning Charles Stanley. I can hardly believe it. I see the finish line. Then, like a dummy, I turned to see where Charles was. And I started falling end over end. And when I raised up, Charles was across the finish line. I I looked back. Paul says, I've got my eye on the goal. I'm off and running and I'm not looking back.
2: Amen. Amen.
1: No matter what's going on in 2022, forget it. Amen. If it was good, keep praising God for it. If it wasn't good, forget it. Quit looking back. Don't let it hang over you. Don't let it prevent you from reaching your new goal, and that is the maximum and the highest level attainable. Amen? If you keep looking back, that's why Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. You on purpose forget what didn't happen what goals you didn't reach, the the challenges you endured or didn't endure. No, just say, hey, I'm in a new season. I'm in a new year. And I'm forgetting everything that happened in the past. Other than the good things and the blessings that came and the miracles and, and the breakthroughs that came, and I'm lifting my hands and praising God over that, yes. but now I'm focused on the new goal and I'm headed for the maximum and the highest level of attainment. Yes. Everybody, see that? Yes. Look at your neighbor and say, I got, I got it. How about you? All right, now we're not looking back. Amen. God is expecting us to follow Paul's example. Now let me give you three keys from what Paul said here to achieving or experiencing the maximum and achieving the highest level or experiencing the highest level achievable. Number one, set the goal. Number two, stay focused. And then number three, never give up. Number one, set the goal. Number two, stay focused. And number three, never give up. Say that with me. Set the goal, goal. stay focused, focused. and never give up. up. Amen. You know, I've I've had the privilege over the years of of ministering uh, to professional athletes with some of the uh, National and American Football League professional teams, like the Chicago Bears and the San Francisco 49ers, the Dallas Cowboys. I've had the privilege of going in and and doing chapel services for them before the game. And this is what I would teach. And sometimes, you know, one time when I was uh, invited to do this with the San Francisco 49ers, they had just won the Super Bowl the year before. Now they're in a new season. They asked me to come and do a chapel service. And I'm thinking, what in the world could I tell these guys? You know, first of all, I look like a 1,000 pounds of muscle on the front row with them all looking at this little You know. Hunk of a man. Hunk of a man, hallelujah. Thank you, sir. Well, thank God I'm not seventy-six year old seventy-six years old and my belly's hanging over my belt. I don't look bad for seventy-six. But anyway, I was about 56 then. But anyway, these guys are champions. They're world champions. I I still hadn't figured out why the Super Bowl produces world champions when it's the only country in the world that plays this game. Okay, anyway. (laughs) So anyway, they're the Super Bowl world champions. And they're sitting there on the front row looking at me. And at that time, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL was Joe Montana. He was the quarterback. And a very dear friend of mine who arranged this uh, meeting for me with the 49ers, he was one of their running backs. His name was Wendell Tyler. And I, I, I had mentored Wendell all during his professional career. And even though he's retired now, he still considers me as a father in the faith for him. So got all these professional athletes. They've already won the Super Bowl, what, two or three times, and now they ask me to come. What do I say to these guys that will hold their attention? I've never won a Super Bowl. I've never even played professional football. What could I possibly say that would get their attention? So I thought, well, Lord, sure need your help right now. And I heard this come out of me, gentlemen, you're world champions, you're Super Bowl winners. This is not the first time you've won the Super Bowl. You have become a dynasty. However, the only thing most of you are good at is carrying a football down the field. Everything else, including being a good husband, a good father, and money managers, you're failures. I thought, dear Jesus, where's the door? (laughs) I did not plan on saying that. Boy, did I have their attention. They're out on the edge now. (laughs) And then I heard myself say this, and the reason I know this to be a fact is your wife's called my office asking for prayer for you. Do they have another door somewhere I could get out of I had their attention. And this is what I preached to them. Set to go, stay focused, never give up. They already knew these things, but they only knew to do it with football. We're talking about life. There's more to life than football. There's more to life than cricket. There's more to life than, you know, racing an automobile. There's more to life. God wants you to be a winner in every facet of your life. Can you say amen? Do you ever notice they never go in the locker room with a microphone and interview the losing team? You guys lost again today. The whole world was watching. How do you feel right now? Do you feel like losers? No, they don't do that. They only go in the locker room with the winning team. Amen. How did you guys manage to do this? Well, we had a goal. We were focused. We never give up. Now, they may not say it in those terms, but that's exactly what happened. Now, that brings me to this. You guys know what's coming. Years ago, now I don't get to watch sports as often as I would like, but when I'm home and I'm not traveling somewhere, if there's some kind of major event going on, then then I'll watch it. And I love boxing. I have a passion for boxing. I know it's brutal, and I know people are praying for my deliverance, <laughs> but I keep telling them, don't pray because there's a good fight coming on this weekend and I don't want to miss it. And I don't just watch boxing. I help them. I am absolutely worn out when that match is over. I need a shower and a massage. My wife and daughters come in there and watch, see me watching boxing and I'm throwing punches. I'm jabbing. I'm ducking. I'm weaving. And they laugh at me. And I, I, one time I invited a group of guys from our church over to watch Evander Holyfield and somebody fight. And, and we all were in the room there, and we had brought in snacks to eat and everything. And just as the fight was coming on, I stood up and announced to all these guys I'm your pastor. And I want to say in advance forgive me for what I'm about to do. <laughs> So anyway, I got to watch the championship basketball game, the NBA. And that particular year, I don't know who they were playing, but San Antonio Spurs were the team that was playing in the finals or in the championship game. And they were not supposed to win the championship. They weren't even supposed to get to the championship. And it turns out they won it. And so they went into the locker room for the winning team, the Spurs, and they walked up to this one man, and and he's sitting on the bench, and they said, how did you guys manage to do this? Nobody believed that you would win this championship. Now this guy, you know, nearly seven foot tall, uh, a black gentleman, and he stands up and and towers over that little reporter. He said, it's what we do, man, it's what we do. (laughs) I said, "There's a sermon in that, Hallelujah." So say this with me: I have goals. I, have goals. I stay focused. I stay focused. And, I refuse to give up.
2: and I refuse to give up. Now
1: do this. It's what to do, man. It's what to do. And some of you won't remember anything about this sermon other than you'll go home doing this. Amen. It's what I do, hallelujah. I set goals, I stay focused, and I refuse to give up. It's what I do, man, it's what I do. It's lifestyle with me. It's not something I do occasionally. It describes the way I live all the time,
3: 24-7,
1: amen. So I've got my eye on the go, I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back, amen. God's expecting us. To follow Paul's example, this is why God gives us a prophetic word every year. Why, why He does it with me, and and I'm, I'm represent the apostolic authority back home, and Pastor John has acknowledged that here. And and my position or my responsibility as the apostolic authority is to hear from God and set a vision to create a goal for every member. Now, what I do back home is once I receive that prophetic word, then the first thing I do is I, I go to my publication department and I have them print up these little bookmarks with that prophetic word that I received. For this year, 2023, the year of the maximum, and the highest level attainable. And we give everybody in our church one of these. We have every staff member has one on their desk. So every morning when they come into the office, that's one of the first things they see, because we want everybody on the same page. We want everybody uh, going toward the same goal, Amen. 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 Then on the screens at the church. We keep that prophetic word up there so that when they come in the church, that's the first thing they see. We keep it on while I'm preaching. And I'm not there most of the time, I'm traveling, but Pastor Justin, our our pastor there, he he keeps it on the screen while he's preaching. And not only that, usually he will pray and ask God to give him sermons that will uh, follow the pattern that I've created by bringing them that prophetic word, okay? Would like to have this? You would like to have this? You know how much these things cost? No. You can have that one. Yeah. So what are we doing? We're doing Habakkuk chapter two. Write the vision, make it plain, so he that reads it can run with it. In other words, when you when you write the vision, when you when you establish the goal then that being written out and you can focus on it, it helps you to stay focused. See, I keep those in my notebook. I keep those in my office at at the ministry. I keep them in my study at home. I even have them in my classic car museum on my desk in there and and, and around my toolboxes. Why? Because everywhere I go, I want to see that prophetic word staring me right in the face and remind me if you'll set the goal and you'll stay focused and refuse to give up, you'll be talking about it soon. And consequently, I'm already talking about it. I'm already having results. I've already I've already superseded what happened to me in twenty twenty two.
3: Amen. Amen.
1: I'm well on my way. Amen. And God is no respecter of persons. Amen. But you have to take responsibility for doing this yourself. I can't do it for you. Amen. So once again, set the goal, stay focused, and refuse to give up. Amen. All right, are you still here?
2: Yes.
1: All right, let's move on a little further. The, uh, the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 29, you're very familiar with it, verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, now another translation says it this way: Where there is no prof- uh, prophetic oracle from God, the people cast off restraint. Wow. Where there is no prophetic oracle from God, see the prophetic word is designed by God to motivate you, to to keep you focused. Yeah. Amen. Once again, that's why. We print it, that's why we keep it before the people, keep it in their eyes. Where there is no prophetic oracle from God, the people cast off restraint, and the word restraint here means cast off discipline, or the will and the determination to persevere. When people uh, are unwilling to persevere, it's not likely that they'll see that prophetic oracle come to pass in their life, Amen. amen? And, and persevere is not a favorite word among most Christians because yeah. yeah. they want their Christianity to be easy. Yeah. I don't want to have to fight a good fight. I just want it to happen. But It doesn't come that way. Now, please uh, give me the privilege of thinking are you thinking that I'm not dumb? Would you give me that privilege? I am not dumb. Now, if there was any other way to achieve what the Bible says is available to us, don't you think that in 54 years, I would have figured it out? But the way it happens to me and the Bible way is we walk by faith.
0: Right.
1: Amen. Amen, that's right. We, we, we uh, take our stand and refuse to waver yes. and determine that we will persevere no matter how long it takes. Yes. Now, I wish I could stand here and tell you every dream I've ever had from God and every goal that God has ever given me and every vision that I've ever received from God, why, my goodness, folks, it came to pass before dark. Well, that'd be a lie to start with because it always, it, it's very seldom happened in the same day. Sometimes it has, and I thank God for it. In fact, one of my favorite words in the Bible is suddenly. But, you know, suddenly is rare. Amen. But for me, it's having done all to stand, stand. In fact, that's my middle name, right. Jerry, having done all the stand, stand, so well,
2: <laughs> And
1: I've become an expert in the art of standing. Yeah. Amen. 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 I just don't quit. Amen. I just don't Amen. back off. Yes. I just absolutely Amen. refuse Amen. to allow the devil to win. Yes. Amen. 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 And, and and I've had many opportunities. Oh, yes. He picks on me just like he picks on you. In fact, he picks on me sometimes more than he'd pick on you because to whom much is given, much is required. And many of you are not you are not required with what I'm required. Amen? So I, I know what it's like to feel like I can't take anymore. I know what it's like to feel as though this is a waste of time, nothing's happening. But you have to cast down those thoughts and make up your mind once and for all that quitting is not an option. Amen. Quitting is not an option. Yeah. And that I am gonna persevere no matter how long it takes. Amen. And Brother Hagan used to say this. How many of you are familiar with Brother Hagin's ministry? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know there are a lot of new people that have come into this and Brother Hagin's going to heaven but I'm quite sure, like me, John refers to him from time to time and, 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 and others in here refer to him from time to time because he makes such an impact on our lives with his messages. In fact, I carry it with me uh, in my pocket many times. If not in my pocket, in in that briefcase there. In fact, let me pull it out and show you. It's on the other side. In that little deal right there, there are 1,200 sermons Kenneth Hagan, Paul Roberts, T.L. Osborne, Kenneth Copeland, and John Osteen. Osteen. I've heard them all hundreds of times. Do you have American Express over here? The, the Visa, credit card? Visa, yeah. Visa we have. Okay, back home at America, American Express came out with this, this uh, advertisement and a, a slogan. And they would say, American Express, don't leave home without it. That's my slogan about this. Don't leave home without it. Why? Because when you fly 21 hours, after a while, you just got to have something to listen to and something to watch. I have another one that has the videos on it. Not that many, but some of my most favorite teachings from these men in video form and I can watch it, and I can hear it. Oh, what a way to to travel. I don't leave home without it. Amen. Amen. And some of these messages, Brother Oral Roberts preached in 1948, and they still have the same anointing on them that they had in 1948. In fact, sometimes in my hotel room, when I'm listening to these, I can't stand it. I get up and take off running. And sometimes you gotta open the door and run around the hotel. Come back in and get another dose. Woo! I was listening, I was listening to a message by Kenneth Hagin one time. And I was playing on British Airs. And I'm, I'm in the first class section in the bulkhead, that seat I like. And I got to listening to Kenneth Hagin. And some of the things he said were so funny I just started laughing out loud, I had a headset on, so I, 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 uh, I was oblivious to everything else that was happening on that airplane. In fact, I really thought I was on my own airplane, because I can shout whenever I want to. I can get up and run the aisle when I want to. But he said something so funny, I just laughed out loud. And the flight attendant came by and said, what is so funny? I said, the Bible. <laughs> He said, the Bible? I never saw anything funny in the Bible. I said, well, if you heard it talked like this, you would.
2: <laughs>
1: and then another flight attendant come rolled in the cart with the drinks and the snacks. And that lady told that one, don't give him anything. He's already had too much. I don't drink, you know, liquor or anything like that. They wouldn't, they wouldn't give me a Coke because they thought I had too much. You know? Amen. I carry that everywhere I go. I listen to him all the time. And many times when I was preaching with Kenneth Hagin, I knew exactly where this was going. I knew the next line. I knew the example. I knew the story. And if any time he'd just stop and say, Brother Jerry, take over. I could preach it just like he did. Why? Because I'd heard it so many times. Amen. It's deep down in my spirit. And not only that, what he preached worked, Amen. and it's still working, praise Amen. God. Amen. Amen. Amen? So look at your neighbor and say, set the goal, stay focused, and refuse to give up.
2: All
1: right, now, restraint, once again, when there's no prophetic oracle from God, people cast off restraint. And restraint, once again, meaning uh, they, they have a lack of discipline. Or they, they, they lack the will and the determination to persevere. Now, the message translation adds this to Proverbs 29, 18. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Without a prophetic oracle from God, the people cast off restraint. But if they attend to what he reveals, then they are most Blessed. How many of you would like to be most blessed? Yes. I mean, blessed is good, but most blessed, that sounds like another level. Yes. Amen? Yes. This is how you go to maximum. This is how you experience the highest level attainable. Amen. What does it take? First of all, a prophetic oracle from God. Well, we got it. We've got it.
2: I've, I've,
1: I've given it to you. And let me just back it up with this. I entered into this dimension of my ministry in 1991 by Brother Copeland prophesying over me in the, uh, the uh, uh, Southwest Believers Convention in Fort Worth, Texas, on a Thursday night when he was introducing me to preach. And when he walked off, started off the platform, he stopped and said, Jerry, wait a minute, before you preach, the word of the Lord's come to me. And he said, Tonight, God's moving you into a new dimension of ministry, and it's the office of the seer, and it is part of the prophetic ministry. And God is going to begin to show you things to come, things on His agenda that He's planned for the body of Christ. And once you receive them, He's holding you responsible for sharing them everywhere He sends you. And from that time, that was August 1991, I have set aside October to do just that. Go to my secret place or my private place of prayer and ask the Lord, what's on your agenda for the coming new year? And if I don't receive it right away, then I just pray in tongues. And in a little while I might ask, what is your agenda for the coming new year? If I don't receive it right away, then I pray in tongues. If I don't receive it that day, then I come back tomorrow and start the same process. And most of the time, I receive that prophetic word in just a matter of a few hours. And then once I receive it, okay, hallelujah, boy, we kick in. Go get it printed, get it on the screens in the church and preach it to the church no less than three sermons before I preach it anywhere else around the world. Amen. Amen. And every year that prophetic word that the Lord has given me since 1991 has come to pass in my life and I have testimonies from people that it's come to pass in their lives all over the world. This this year, we're not even through with this year. I mean, we're through with this year, but last year, and we're obviously into the new year, but last year, how many of you remember what that prophetic word was? If you will not be moved, all the chaos and all the disorder that is happening in the world around you, then I will open my hand and cause you to experience supernatural, extraordinary, and unusual provision. Yes. How many of you experienced that?
2: Yes.
1: Well, we certainly did. And and when I asked the church at the end of the year, this year, how many of you, that prophetic word came to pass? The majority of the hands went up in our church. Yes. And we get testimonies from people all over the world. Yes. Well, now we're in a new year. We got a new goal. We're going for the maximum. Yes. We're going for the highest level attainment. Yes. I'm going there. Anybody else going with me? Hallelujah! Let's give another Lord, the Lord, another shout in advance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Praise God! Let me let me remind you of this. And some of you probably, perhaps never heard it before. But in 2004, I was preaching all over South Texas, and I'd been out for a week in a different city in South Texas every night. And the last night I was there, I was preaching in. Uh, Uh, Joel Osteen's church. His dad and I were close friends. I've known Joel since he's just a little boy. And Joel asked me to come preach at his church. And uh, when I got through that night, I was gonna fly home. And a pastor friend of mine in a little community called Liberty, Texas, that's not too far from Houston. He came up to me and said, Brother Jerry, would you consider staying over one night and, and preaching our church tomorrow night? I said, "Pastor." I'm tired. I've been preaching every night. I've traveled to a different city every night. I, I really would like to go home and I'll look at my schedule and see if I can, uh, uh, you know, lock you in with a date later in the year. Oh, Brother Jerry, please, we, we want to hear you now. Would you please reconsider and just one more night. That's all I'm at, one more night. Well, it's hard for me to say no. And so I said, okay, I'll be there tomorrow night. So we went over to Liberty Texas, small community, small hotel, well, hotel's a stretch of the imagination. Anyway, (laughs) a small accommodations and and, uh, so as soon as we got to that hotel, I went into my room and the only thing I unpacked was my alarm clock. I just pulled the cover back, I just laid down in the clothes I was in, traveling in, and I set my alarm for one hour uh, you know, sleep, a power nap, as we call it. Because I knew if I didn't get a little bit of rest, I wouldn't be worth 15 cents over there. And I don't like going into a service when when I know I'm not prepared. and not rested, I'm not prepared. So I, I just set the alarm for one hour. I laid down. When my head hit the pillow, the chicana glory of God filled that room. I couldn't even see the furniture anymore. And the Lord appeared. And here's what he said. My people know me as Savior. Some know me as baptizer in the Holy Ghost. Some know me as healer. Some know me as deliverer. But they don't all know me as the God of the breakthrough. He said, if they did, then they wouldn't be so quick to give up. He said, tell them tonight. The God of the breakthrough wants to visit their house. Well, man, I was energized, refreshed, got up, showered, put my suit on, and it's still an hour before the service. Oh, man, I'm ready. Like I got total tonight, I'm ready. I'm fired up. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I can hardly wait to get over that service. I had a prophetic word from the Lord. That became my word for that year. And then when I was preaching it, the Lord said, Tell the people, at the end of the sermon, he said, Tell the people, the intensity of your praise will determine the magnitude of your breakthrough. And he's talking about praising in advance. Amen. The intensity of your praise will determine the magnitude of your breakthrough. And boy, I'm telling you, that place broke out. Broke out in praise. I mean, the God of the breakthrough visited that house that night. I got in my airplane, flew home. All right, the pastor took me to the airport. He said, Brother Jerry, did you check out of your room? I said, well, I I didn't officially check out. I left the key on the desk there, but I'm out. I'm, I'm flying home, obviously. He said. I'm going by that hotel. They don't know you've checked out. Give me your key. I said, well, I, I did give the key to the front desk. No, I said, I left the key on the on the table there. And uh, he said, I'm going to that hotel. I'm checking in the room that you were in. I'm going to sleep on that bed you were in. I believe that same anointing will come on me that came on you. And tomorrow, uh, Sunday morning, I believe we're going to have a major breakthrough. And he called me later that night and said, Brother Jerry, you didn't get all that anointing. (laughs) It came on me just like it came to you. And the God of the breakthrough showed up at our house again, praise God. Amen. So let me just encourage you right now. The intensity of your praise in advance will determine the magnitude of your breakthrough. What do you say? What do you say?
3: How desperate are you for a major breakthrough? How desperate are you to reach your goal,
1: maximum, and the highest level attainable? Hallelujah. Is that the way you demonstrate excitement? <laughs> okay, I guess I'll take this message to someplace else.
3: <laughs> Hallelujah glory to God, hallelujah, hallelujah. hallelujah. praise God, hallelujah. amen, look at
1: somebody and say, I have just begun, just wait till I get home, <laughs> all right, be seated, praise God, amen, but when they attend to what he reveals, that's reading at the beginning, I ask you to pray for the other person and pray that they will pay attention. Okay? When they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. The word attend here means to give heed to and to direct one's mind, one's thoughts, and one's energy to what has been said. Amen. That prophetic oracle from God. When you're willing and determined to do this, then you can expect the fulfillment of that prophetic word. Amen. Amen. Now, let's go back to Philippians chapter 3 for a moment and look at verse 14 in just the first three words. I, I, actually, the first two words. I press. I press. I press. What is Paul talking about? In other words, he, he's determined. He's got his mind set. He has become resolute, you might say, that turning back, giving up is not an option. I press. I wrote down that that one of the one of the meanings of the word press is to keep on keeping on. Just keep on keeping on. Amen. I read one time where it said, successful people are willing to do what unsuccessful people aren't willing to do. And one of the things unsuccessful people aren't willing to do is keep pressing.
2: Yeah.
1: Unsuccessful people have the attitude, if it doesn't happen soon, then I'm not playing anymore. I'm not, I'm, I'm not gonna waste my time pursuing this. Yeah. Successful people are willing to do what unsuccessful people aren't willing to do. And successful people sometimes don't feel like doing what they know they need to do, but they do it anyway.
2: Yeah. Are you still here? Yes. Look at
1: your neighbor and say, uh, he's talking about me. I'm one of those successful people. I know. Go to Psalm 112. How are we doing on time?
2: Right.
0: Very good,
1: brother. Praise God. I was in, uh, Joe and I were in Anchorage, Alaska one time. They said, preach all night, brother. It didn't get, the sun didn't go down to three o'clock in the morning. I said, you'll have to invite Kenneth Copeland for that meeting. I mean, he can do it. He can preach till three o'clock in the morning. Now, once again, uh, Psalm 112, this, this chapter impressed me so powerfully in the early days of my ministry. It became my first book. I entitled it The Established Heart. That was, what, guys, 86 books ago? But that was my first book because it it just inspired me so much. And I remember the first time I read it, I stood up. In my little bedroom in Shreveport, Louisiana, I lifted my hands and I said, God, someday I'm going to be like that man. And I've become like that man. Psalm 112, you found it yet? Yes. Notice, and we won't read the entire Psalm, but notice if I can get to it. particularly verse 6 through 8. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. Notice here. It says, this man is not moved by anything negative that's happening around him, not moved by anything his adversary is is doing. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. The Amplified Bible says, his heart is firmly fixed, leaning on and being confident in the Lord. And the message translation says, he is unfazed. Spirit firm, unperturbed, that's good, unperturbed. What does unperturbed mean? Well, I wrote these words down. Never flustered nor bothered by negative things that are happening around him, unwavering, marked by a firm determination, unshakable, unwilling to accept failure and defeat, amen unperturbed. How many of you are unperturbed tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then I got good news for you. Get ready. You're headed for the maximum. You're headed for the highest level attainable. Now, if you go back to Paul's writings, many times he, he uses the analogy of the life of faith like a runner in a marathon. Okay? and the runner in the marathon no matter how tired he might become he refuses to give up he won't give up until he crosses that finish line even if he's the last one to cross okay i read one time that in a marathon back in 1968 in mexico city there was a man from from tanzania i, I don't remember his name but this is actual fact he was in that marathon his his country sent him there okay to do this race with other competitors from around the world he came staggering into the stadium more than an hour behind the winner of that race after the race he was interviewed and they asked him why he didn't quit and these were his words my country sent me here to run this race. and they sent, they sent me here to run this race and they sent me here to finish it, not to give up before I finished. Even though he came in an hour behind the winner, he was not going to go home embarrassing his nation. I started the race and I finished the race. I didn't win it, but I finished. Amen. Amen. Well, why don't we practice that same principle? But let's go a step higher. Let's win it. (laughs)
2: Amen. Let's win it.
1: Let's run to win, praise God, and I'll drink to that. Amen. Don't give up just because it looks like it's all over. No way in the natural. For you to ever achieve this goal. God's expecting us to set the goal, stay focused, and to never give up. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26 from the message translation: I don't know about you, but I'm running hard to the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got.
3: Amen.
1: In the book of Hebrews, chapter 6. Verse 15, talking about Abraham, reading from the message translation, Abraham stuck it out and got everything that God had promised to him. He stuck it out and got everything that God had promised to him. Yes. Ask yourself right now, am I willing to stick it out? Yes. If you are willing to stick it out, then I got good news for you. You're about to run your victory lap. Anybody know what a victory lap is? Yeah. Back when my dad was racing automobiles uh, and I was just a little boy, there was a man from Keokuk, Iowa. I'll never forget him. His name was Ernie Durr. And he was the national champion in this particular kind of automobile racing. And he'd come to my town of Shreveport, Louisiana. And if my dad wasn't racing, Ernie would ask my dad, to be his pit boss in the crew and make sure his car was prepared and ready to win the race because Ernie won just about every race he got in. And I remember as a little boy, I'd I'd get to be in the pits with my dad. I'd get to meet Ernie and he'd talk to me every time he'd come. And one day when he won the feature race, he stopped in front of the grandstands excuse me, and they handed him the checkered flag, and usually the winner would hold the checkered flag out the window and do a victory lap. This time, Ernie did this to me. I said, me? He said, come. He said, get in the car. And he put me in the car next to him. He said, hold the victory flag out while I do a victory lap. Praise the Lord. I tell you, my head swelled up this big. And then he gave me the victory flag. I went to school the next day carrying the victory lap flag. Just daring somebody asked me where I got it. Well, you should have been at the race. Amen. You are about to have your victory lap if you are determined that quitting is not an option.
3: Stand to your feet and give the Lord your best shout. Praise God. Hand, act like you're waving a flag. And say that's my victory lap. I'm waving my flag. I'm about to take my victory lap and go on and praise him some more. Hallelujah! Hallelujah.
1: Amen. Remain standing. Hebrews 10:36, the message translation, talking about Abraham again. You need to stick it out, staying with God's plan. So you'll be there for the promised completion. So you'll be there for the promised completion. And now let me just share this with you. You can just remain standing. I received this word from the Lord this afternoon while I was preparing for this service. This is a new season that you've entered into, a season of greater blessings that I've arranged for you. Blessings that you've never experienced before, so get ready to receive them. They're yours for sure. I'm taking you higher. Yes, that's my plan. So stay in faith and take your stand. Refuse to be moved by what others say. I'm in charge and I'll have my way. Yes, this is a new season which many thought would never come, but I've made it happen. Yes, it's what I've done. I'm still the God who makes the impossible possible. It's what I do. And it's all because of my love for you. So rejoice and be glad with outburst of joy and laughter too. Yeah. You're entering into the realm of the maximum, just like
3: I said you would do. Yeah. Hallelujah. Come on, raise your hands and give the Lord a great shout. Hallelujah. Now remember he said, outburst of joy, outburst of laughter. Come on, do it do it. Outburst of joy. Outburst of laughter. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, guys. Come on, praise team. Come on back up here. Hey, we're not done yet. Outburst of joy. An outburst of laughter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Praise
1: God. Lay your hands on The person next to you for a moment. Say this. In the name of Jesus. I believe. God was speaking to you tonight. This message was sent from heaven for you. And I prayed at the beginning. That you would pay attention. I believe you did so. I believe you received. The word with faith. And I now agree with you. In, in particular, with what God just said to us, that you are getting ready to run your victory lap. So I encourage you right now. I encourage you right now. Do what the Holy Ghost told us to do outburst of
3: joy and laughter. Because God is making it happen for you. Come on, let's do it. Praise God do it you got an outburst you got an outburst of joy song yeah hallelujah come on come on come on come on come on come on on. hey 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 come on what'd you quit for what'd you quit for hallelujah Hallelujah. Amen. Let's do it. Let's do it. Come on. Come on. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. glory, glory. Yes. Hallelujah. Let's do it.